0: I invite you to turn to John chapter 10, please. When we turn to the chapter that's before us, I want you just to pretend this morning that you are a Pharisee. We don't have any Pharisee's hats this morning, uh, but I'd like you to pretend as we read the scriptures throughout the course of the talk that you would, you pretend to be a Pharisee to see if you can see what Jesus is saying to them, uh, through his words. Uh, the parables before us this morning contain three of the rich I am statements of claim by the Lord. One of them is implicit, the first one, and the other two are the overt ones, where he claims to be uh, the door and the good shepherd. The implicit one is the claim in the first part of our chapter, I am the true shepherd. Those three claims prompt two questions by way of application that I would like us to uh, keep in the back of our mind as we go through uh, the work before us. Uh, The first question is, what kind of sheep are we? And the second is, how are we to serve our Lord as his under shepherds? So just keep those two Application questions, and we're going to come back to them right at the end, uh, to try and wrap this up into how this should affect our minds and our hearts and our commitments to Him. I have some images up on the street that, uh, uh, are part of, uh, the studies that Peg and I have made of sheepfolds in our various travels. I, we've been intrigued with them for some reason. And, uh, the one to the, the picture to the left is, uh, a Picture in the Atacama Desert on a route to a, to a mine in uh, northern Peru, and then, uh, in the higher parts of Peru rather near in the Andean Mountains. And we came across these images of, of a Peruvian female shepherd and the nearby sheep uh, combined with llamas in a fold. We learned later that uh, the, the picture is of a female shepherd on the left. And the sheepfold on the mountains not too far from the shepherd is is to the right. And what we learned later on in our travels about this, these shepherds in this region were that they had a very tragic and sad story that we learned about. What was happening is that the lives of the miners who would be husbands of these female shepherds had gone to work at the mine and were uh, not used to handling the money that they made as miners and as uh, copper recovery people, and they left their homes, abandoned their wives, abandoned their flock, and went on uh, to live their own lives wherever that may have been. What the Lord is facing this morning, or or at this time, is something similar to that, Uh, A sad story being lived out by the audience that was in front of him. And he told these parables to try and evoke some response in the Pharisees to turn to him. And he uses these stories to uh, let him, uh, to evoke this um, response uh, by them. To understand the parables, just before we read them, we need to have a little bit of a, a couple backgrounders. The first one, a bit of a backgrounder on sheepfolds, and that helps us to understand what Jesus was saying. On the top left of the screen, there's one photograph of a, a of a sheepfold we visited in a pretend old city or a remake of an old uh, an old city uh, of in, in the city of Nazareth where Jesus would have grown up. And the sheepfold there, where the shepherd is standing, is a is a Uh, Figure of what a small household sheepfold would have looked like. One farmer, one one flock, and uh, some fencing to keep out the uh, wild animals and and thieves. One of the top right of the screen is a a little larger uh, sheepfold. These were were typically made of stone and uh, uh, there would be a very small gate so that a very small area to protect once the sheep were inside. There would have been uh, some sharp thorns uh, surrounding the top of the uh, top of the wall to prevent an easy uh, a jump of the fence by a wolf or a fox or whatever the predator might have been. Now, there's another type of sheepfold that's in the picture at the bottom that would have been characteristic of a sheepfold outside of a larger city like Jerusalem, where Jesus was uh, speaking to the to the Pharisees here. The uh, This larger sheepfold would have been, uh, constructed the same way with the same purposes. It would have housed multiple herds and, uh, uh, gives the context of what Jesus is saying in the parable. Those multiple herds, uh, in a city like Jerusalem may have been tended by one of the shepherds or a hired hand who would uh, protect the sheep during the watches of the night. Thanks for that in that song we were, we were singing. And this, that's uh, the context of our of our of our parables this morning, so the uh, three types of uh, of uh, sheepfolds help us to understand and interpret uh, and apply uh, the um, parable of the good shepherd and the sheep. Uh, sheep are known to to know the sheep are known to know the call of the shepherd. So in the combined flock, in the morning the the gatekeeper would allow the shepherds to go into the sheepfold and call out their sheep and take them out to pasture. And uh, that helps us uh, set that uh, understanding of what's in, the, what, what's, in the, what's in the parable. The second backgrounder we try to understand is a little bit of uh, how would the Pharisees that were there, you people, me, uh, be familiar with the stories that Jesus was telling in the parable. And it's not just the story about shepherd and sheep. That's a common understanding that all in the country would have understood at the time. But in the background of the Old Testament that the Pharisees were students of, they had a background of being compared to uh, shepherds. of uh, Pardon me. They, they had a background of the leadership of Israel being by the shepherding of God, uh, shepherding his people. Uh, Moses uh uh, one phrase, and I'm just picking out quick examples of this, Psalms chapter 77 and verse 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So we, here we have this beautiful picture of, of God shepherding his people and through the, through the leadership of some under-shepherds of God uh, 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 in, these, uh, in the uh, wanderings in the desert. Uh David, of course, uh, we won't dwell on Psalm 23. We know it so well. But the Lord is my shepherd, he being the king and looking at the uh, leadership of the shepherding of God for his people. And he, the king, seeking to be a good under-shepherd uh, of the God of heaven. And then there's the prophets where the prophets come along. There's this uh, tragedy of the bad kings. Uh, this uh, the uh, separation of the people from the covenant of God, wandering into to, to uh, uh, and being bound by uh, sin and and uh, idolatry of the nations around them. And I'm going to give one example of what the Pharisees would have been familiar with from Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Verse 9. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable uh, for my flock. It's important to note that the timing of this, uh, these parables of the Lord uh, are happening in, in the third uh, year, roughly. Or, yeah, the third year, the final year, I should say, of his, uh, of his ministry on earth. Already he has seen the reaction of the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Levites, the Jews, as they're called in some texts, where they have responded negatively to Christ. There were some who followed. They heard the message of John the Baptist. They listened to the message of repentance. Some repented. And yet on the whole, the leadership of Israel uh, rejected him. We're starting to reject him in the third phase of his ministry. The first phase being the preparation of of the Son of God, his early uh, introduction into ministry and what happened there, his calling of his disciples. The second phase of his ministry is the uh, the successful or the uh, the the growing of his ministry in a positive way throughout the throughout the whole land, including Jerusalem and uh, Judea and Galilee, but then as time is going by, the words of John chapter one uh, begin to ring true. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And the, he, that's a direct statement about the leadership of Israel and how they had he had come to them. He He came directly to them. He read their hearts, exposed their hearts, and all of those things we're familiar with about his relationship with the growing animosity by the people who he had tried to win as his own, who rejected him and became rejecting his claims as blasphemy and ultimately um, put him to death, of course. The third backgrounder on immediate context is important and we'll uh, just go through that very briefly. You'll remember in John chapter 9, the chapter before us, the seeing man said, Lord, I believe. You just received sight uh, as a miracle of the Lord and this presentation of a sign that he truly was the divine Son of God. And the blind man, now seeing, worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I come into this world so that those who do not see may see, and that those who are blind, uh, who see may become blind. So when th- he's telling the Pharisees here, if you think you see, you're, you're blind. If you're needing, if you're seeking, if you're looking, if you're trying to find me and who I am, I will come to you and heal you and make you uh, truly to see. And how do the Pharisees react here? Who were with him, they heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin." but since you say we see, your sin remains. And this is the context immediately preceding uh, the claims that Jesus makes to them in answer to their question. John chapter 10 and verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, this uh, allegory, this parable, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what... those things were which he had been saying to them. So you're a Pharisee. What did you hear here? Are you like them that had no clue what he was talking about? Or did you begin to understand uh, who he was talking about and what the parable was about and what's he telling us us now? So I handed out uh, some spreadsheets to uh, guide us through this area because I'm not going to speak about all my interpretations of who's who in the, parables, in the parables, but it just gives us a structure as to how we can appreciate what Jesus, the fullness and the richness of what Jesus is teaching through the claims he, he was making. And to us as Pharisees, to us as who we really are this morning, we want to fully understand uh, what those claims meant then and what they mean to us uh, today. Uh, The first one, uh, as as I said, is an implicit claim where he here is claiming to be the true shepherd and following along that as a corollary, he's telling the Pharisees that they are the false shepherds. So if you look at the uh, elements of the story, we have to try and understand who he he was, uh, who was he referring to when he talked about climbing up some other way, what was the door about, what was the fold about, who were the sheep, he who does enter by the door, who is he, the shepherd, the sheep, the doorkeeper to the shepherd. He opens the door, his own sheep of the real shepherd, hear his voice, hear the names, he leads them out, and so on. So that's the first part of the, of the spreadsheet to understand what are the elements we have to understand, what does that story mean, and uh, that helps us through the next parts of the, of the, uh, of the spreadsheet. Now, in the, I think you'll see it as the third column fourth column including verse numbers. This is my own interpretation of the parable in terms of what who the elements represented and what the story was about. And I'll leave that to your study, own study to see if you agree with some of these. I know in parable interpretation we've been taught not to try and find meaning in everything that's in the parable, but rather look at the bigger story. But I have some valid reasons I think to uh, to put some of these boxes together because they are talked about in part at the bottom of John chapter 10, which we'll not fully address, but we'll use a little bit. And we have the meaning here. Still, you're a Pharisee. That helps you to unlock the, the meaning of the parable. The Pharisees were the one who he, Jesus, is telling them, you are the thieves and robbers who climbed over the fence. You have not come through God and his word and the covenant, you have made yourself your own bed of leadership and may, and uh, approached some religiosity, but strangled the people with a, your a ridiculous number of uh, detailed descriptions of law and how to, how to make up a religion and look saintly but emptiness with respect to a personal relationship with God. The door is the promised Messiah. He is the one who came as the promised one uh, to be uh, to open up the door uh, and be the one who uh, walks into the sheepfold, which is a picture, I think, of the religious fold of Judaism. Now, watch this carefully. I know we tend to just look at it from our own eyes today and say, well, he's coming to all the lost sheep of the world. But in the context first, we have to see what was being said here before we get to the whole world and ourselves today. Uh, the sheep, the people of Israel, the religious fold of Judaism. He who does enter by the door is the true shepherd and that's not in a verse, that's my summary of the Lord's claim to them uh, through this story. He comes to his sheep. A doorkeeper, Uh, he opens the door to the shepherd and keeps the thieves out but he and, and the wolves and so on. To the shepherd he opens the door and this may be a reference in this particular parable, it may be stretching it a little bit, but John the Baptist is the person I put in there, because he has gone before, he's the forerunner, he's gone ahead of Jesus to, to prepare the way of his coming. He preached the message of repentance, and he had some followers that he was turning over to Jesus when Jesus came on the scene. So perhaps that's an, a, a helpful view of what he's talking about here. The, his own sheep hear his voice, they hear their names when, when they are called of God, and he leads them out. These, we could say, as a subset of the people of Israel being Jesus' disciples, not just the 12 apostles, but all who were seeking him, all who were trying to follow him and learn from him, and some of that group uh, as disciples became his own when they trusted him as their own God and savior. The shepherd, when he has all his own, he has his sheep, he leads them out. By the way, that's different and unique in that part of Israel. I'm told that some of the other Uh, nations around, they just drove the sheep. They used whips and dogs or whatever and drove the sheep. Jesus leads the sheep. I, I just thought that was a beautiful side picture of what the uniqueness of what he's teaching there. To the stranger, to the ones who are the thieves and robbers, who are the Pharisees in our interpretation, the sheep flee. They don't know his voice. He's talking to you, the Pharisee now, and says, you've led them astray. Some are not listening to you because I am the true shepherd, you, and you need to follow, follow me. And so the leaders of religious Judaism, the scribes, the Pharisees, the people before them were mainly described as the Pharisees, uh, the, the sheep are fleeing. They're coming over to me. They don't know your voice, he's telling them to the Pharisees. So I hope you're uncomfortable there being a Pharisee at the moment. So there's the beginning uh, by the first parable and then he starts to give them some more uh, parables that he builds on top of that. They're not identical so I've helped you by putting that uh, on the spreadsheet to try and map the way he's building on them to show them a bit more about what he's trying to claim about himself. First he's claiming to be the true shepherd not false like you guys. Now he's going to say something different about the door in particular. So Jesus said to them again truly truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Again, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So in addition to Jesus telling the Pharisees that they are the uh, strangers, the thieves and robbers he is the true shepherd, the promised Messiah has come, here is his purpose in coming, to lead his people out of the religious sheepfold of Judaism, he tells them this story to advance his challenges to them and uh, in the spreadsheet, you now you can look at the right hand side of it, are you, are you all? have you all found where you're supposed to be on that uh, spreadsheet no, some don't have one oh, hope you can read this so here, here's the one we saw first, and now the new verses we just read are mapped in here. Here are the elements of this story, some duplicate of what went before. The story, we just read it together. Yeah, whoever enters through me shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Now in the story, what we understand about the sheepfold is that during the watches of the night, the Shepherd or the hired hand would lie down across that narrow gate and protect the sheep inside the fold at night. So the big, the first picture we have of the Lord Jesus and his claim here, following that story at least, would be that he is the protector of his own. He's the one who has laid down his life and taken big risk as a shepherd to lie there during the night watches and protect his sheep from the wolves. How would, how would you like to? Just think about that in porcupine near the bush and see a wolf coming along and would you like to lie down in front of them and do battle with the wolves that came along. That's the picture he's talking about with the relationship that he has. Who are the wolves? He's talking about the men in front of him, the Pharisees. You see, and I'm laying down in front of my sheep that I am calling to myself to protect them from you. So there's that form of protection. And we can extend that parable for some other lessons, but that's immediately what we have. And then he tells them, I am the Messiah, the sent one of God. He says to them, uh, and we'll jump down to here, I came that they might have life and have it in abundance. And so we see Jesus as the I am the door. He's the inviter, he's the savior, he's the protector, and he's the nourisher, bringing the sheep. Out into the pasture to to feed. I'd like to just uh, do a little bit of sidebar teaching here in terms of what all is just how deep and how profound Jesus teaches in very few words. And I know you think you should learn a lesson from him. Uh, he says these things: "I am the door." And look look at what we learn about our salvation in these few words. The salvation that Jesus offers is unique. He is the door. He is the only door. The religious leaders of the time can't bring you, uh, can't make you gods. They have to come through me. It's exclusive in the sense that if you, you must go through that door. He's the only, He's the only one who can offer this. It's exclusive as well. in a way, but in another way, you you must go through that door to be His. You must enter through Him. That's the only way that you will get to the gifts and rewards that He offers. And that's the next part of it. It's free. He's not telling the people, if you come to the door, you knock on the door, and you bring me uh, so many what's what's the the uh, monetary time like denarius or those kind of coins, or whether you bring me your Good works, or whether you bring me uh, whatever you think you're doing to earn the merit of God, that's that's not here. It's just so simple and so profound. If you come to me, if you enter through me, you will have the salvation that I am bringing bringing to you. It's free, and it's not just like you're squeezing in the door and finding a you know a desert pasture down in the in the near the Dead Sea. He's saying I'm bringing to you a life, a life that is abundant, a life that is, a life that's, that's living. And uh, so all of those things are wrapped up in this very simple claim that he made about who he was, uh, who he was as he came. I am the door with the salvation that has these features. Now the last two I board, if you want to look at them down in John chapter 10, uh, and we're talking about salvation, go down to verse, I think it's 29. I'll grab it here for us. Verse 28 and 29. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand either. I and the Father are one. So we have an interpretation of the parable way down, further down the passage a little bit to help us appreciate the nature of the salvation that he is offering to the Pharisees. He's saying to them, if you come through, me is the door. This is what I can uniquely give to you. And you can't get it on your own by following that law. You need to follow me and learn from me. And I will, if you do seek me, I will be found by you and you will become my own sheep. So the last two phrases come from those two verses. This life is eternal that he's offering and it is secure. And I just want to highlight that point. Jesus tells him, once you're in my hand, no one can snatch me. Out, snatch you out of my hand. The salvation that he's offering is absolutely secure. Once his, you are his forever. And that's the kind of salvation that Jesus is bringing. So the third uh, parable involves the claim he was making to them that he is, I am, the Old Testament form of I am for God. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I so much appreciated being able to give this talk on a communion uh, uh, in keeping with the communion. Of course, communion Sunday, it's always that for us. But uh, just after this service where we sang these hymns about Jesus laying down his life for the sheep. Here it's a picture of the shepherd in front of the sheepfold and protection. But he's, I think, alluding to what he says here to the future when he was going to go to the cross and lay down his life in a different sense uh, to deliver this salvation to us. Verse twelve: He is a he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, is not concerned about the sheep. This is a this is a Discourse about leadership in God's kingdom, and we don't have time to pursue that, but we have been talking about the kingdom. The king of kings and Lord of lords works through leadership to, in a way that he's asking people to do it, uh, first the Pharisees and then to the disciples, apostles who were following him uh, as, as this kind of role he calls people to. The hired hand, who is he talking about? Back to you, the Pharisees, right? You, you're just doing it for a job. You're just saying at night, but when the wolf comes, you're out of there, right? Okay, the the wolf comes in and steals the sheep and just, they take all the sheep take off. Who's the wolf? I don't know. It's <laughs> part of these parables, you don't really know exactly how he got the wolf, but it looks like the wolves are the ones who come and try and attack the sheep, the sheep. Here I think he's alluding to their leadership over his people and the way they've done it. You guys are the wolves. You have you have come and stolen my sheep away from a relationship with God to some other kind of leadership that is, you're in it just because you're getting paid for it and it's your way, it's your culture, whatever. The wolf could be anyone who seeks to take people who are seeking him, any people away from him, and try and destroy them in their relationship with the Lord. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now here is where the sheepfold just grew. What does he say here? He's been talking to the sheepfold in Judaism, and now he says... I must bring them also. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. So here's the beginning uh, DNA of the church to come. He's reaching out first. He came to his own. And then he expanded that to Samaria while he was speaking. He went to everyone with this news about he being the Son of God who came uh, to do the work for us. I must bring them also. We thank God for these verses that we are, are reached out to by him to find him even though we're not part of this original uh, Old Testament plan. By the way, in the Old Testament it wasn't really any different. When Jesus went to the Jewish people they were to extend the knowledge of God and his covenant to those who were around and they failed miserably. Now Jesus is saying to his group here, I am coming to everyone again, and I want them all to be mine. For God so loved the whole world. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. So obviously here he's going beyond the, the view of the sheepfold, and he's going to the uh, work of salvation upon the cross. He has the authority to lay down his life, and he has the, the authority to take it up again at a later date. So here's the uh, the second spreadsheet you should have in your hands that just summarizes this, and I've been covering it as we we have gone through just to, to try and help you with the way I've understood these parables. Again, I just want to summarize these uh, claims in this in this way, I am the good shepherd. Again, so profound, and what all is included in that. I am the good shepherd. Intrinsically, he's saying, I am God. And that was clear to the Jews and Pharisees who listened, because they were accusing him of blasphemy. They understood this, and this is evidence of the validity of the New Testament. They understood it as blasphemy, and they acted against Jesus because of these claims that he made. Intrinsically, Jesus is the divine son of God. He is intrinsically good. And this particular word used for good in this chat, in this verse is a, a verse of function. It's not just a verse of intrinsic goodness. It's goodness worked out to the benefit of others. That's what's being said about his claim here. Relationally, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. He wants a personal relationship with everyone. This is not about Religion. It's about a personal faith relationship and walk with the God of heaven. As he knows us, we want to be in relationship with him above everything else. Protectively, I lay down my life for them. Securely, I will never abandon them. No one can snatch me from their hands, a repetition of what we had before. Universally, a message for all, everyone in the world. He's a unique savior, and all in the world are subject to being under God, and they need to find him, and the salvation is universally for them. And then his salvation is sovereign. And this we, I can't say we understand, but it's what I believe at least. He, once he accepts you into his family, you are his forever. And there's lots of verses that uh, teach us that throughout the New Testament, and he says it here. I and the Father are one. Once you are my sheep, you are mine. We have to leave that discourse for another time. So, how did the, how did you Pharisees react? They were divided in two. Some said this man is demon possessed and raving mad. The other said maybe seeking a little bit. Can a man make the blind to see? So, what does this have to do with us this morning? Very quickly, I just want to answer, the, look at an answer to those. Uh, questions we asked at the beginning. There's three dimensions I want us to look at quickly. What response was Jesus looking for in providing those parables to them and to us today? Individually, we are when he calls to heed his voice. He seeks all, and he wants all who hear the call of God to respond to him and to follow him according to his call. And The second step of that is to enter through him for salvation. Not just to follow him around the desert, watching for signs and wonders and miracles, but to follow him first for salvation and then follow him as my true shepherd, as my light, which is the claim he made just earlier in John 9 or John 8. I I want to follow him as the true shepherd, the door for the sheep, and the good shepherd who lay down his life uh, To earn our salvation, to pay the price of sin, and uh, redeem us to God. And then there's the application collectively. I think there's a lesson here in terms of how we are to follow Him together, as a as a herd of a flock of sheep or herd of sheep flock of sheep who belong to Him together. See ourselves as brother and sister sheep, no longer as Pharisees, brother and sister sheep to follow Him together. Uh, uh, according to his leading and for those who are in leadership there's a message here as well and this is a bit like Dave Hook was telling us yesterday a scary part of our calling to be a speaker or to be a teacher or a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader or whatever we have a huge responsibility to as his under shepherds not to be like the Pharisees but to be the kind of under shepherds he wants to first of all, when you enter the fold, you go via the door. And that's a picture, but when we walk in here or any area of service, to remember that we're walking into the presence of the Lord. We're still we're in the presence of the Lord before, but we're walking into his presence to serve. And we need to see that he is sitting in the very front row, along with all the affairs. <laughs> Sorry, get carried away here. Uh, and he's sitting in the front row. and wherever you are serving him, to see him that way. And our, our task is to lead all to him, not to us as leadership, not for gain, not for, for anything that we get rewards out of, but we're, our, our work is to lead all to him, out of their blindness, into his light, into the salvation of God, towards spiritual nourishment, to understand his protection and care, and serve him with sacrificial love and care, as he did for us, Under His light and under His authority. Long winded, I know. We'll turn this over to the uh, musical group to close our meeting. Lord, it is our privilege this morning to have seen Jesus already before we even get to heaven. We thank You for the picture of Him that we have as our shepherd, our true shepherd the door, and the the good shepherd. And we pray that we might be those in the fold, that we would be your sheep, and that we would be the people that you want us to be, helping others as well. So, Father, as we look forward to that greater meeting day, but we remember that we meet you day to day, we pray that you will guide us and continue to shepherd us, and may we follow you. In his name, amen. amen.